Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today on this special series of Fostering Solutions, um, Maximizing with Michelle, the guest today is Jennifer Goddard. Jennifer, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Michelle? Pretty good, pretty good. So tell the audience about yourself. Who is Jennifer Goddard? Well, uh, most recently known as the new CEO of YWCA Charleston, and uh, also known in the community for uh, a career in a lot of different areas. I've worked uh, in the nonprofit world, I've worked in the corporate world, I've worked in advertising and public relations, so I've been, been a part of a lot of different different parts of our community over the years and as a volunteer I hope people still remember me as a volunteer I've served on a lot of different boards over my career um, lots of great partners in the community okay great 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 so you were the CEO of YWCA of Charleston describe your journey to your current position in the nonprofit sector well, I started my career in the nonprofit world back uh, with the West Virginia Kids Count Fund. I was oh, a communications yeah. person when it very first became a nonprofit. So it was a startup when I when I was there. There were only three of us on the staff. Wow. I was the third person hired. They realized that they couldn't do a lot of the work they did to produce the data book without someone who could actually do the graphic design and do all of the work to, to produce a, a data book in, on the every year. And uh, with my background in journalism and public relations, I had a lot of the skills they were looking for. So it was a really exciting time to join that, that organization. And you know, back in the day, they were really wanting to connect businesses and families and improve the well-being of families and children in West Virginia. So they started tracking all kinds of different data points and evaluating how West Virginia was doing with businesses and um, or how West Virginia was doing for families and how mm-hmm. businesses could could change that and for the better. So it was a great great start to my career. And mm-hmm. then I moved from the nonprofit world into uh, advertising and public relations and worked in both an advertising account executive role and then also a public relations consulting role as I moved through my career. Okay, uh, worked for um, industry for quite a while. And I had an opportunity to uh, to get a, gain a lot of skills, uh, learn a lot about what what businesses want from community partners. I think that's probably one of the things that I've been able to really draw on as coming back into the nonprofit sector was really learning how businesses look at nonprofit partnerships and what they're seeking in a nonprofit partner. I was really fortunate for a while to uh, work with a lot of community partners and be the person who had funding available, not not huge amounts, but uh, mm-hmm, okay. I worked in 17 states, so I was able to coordinate a lot of different activities that were meaningful to the communities that we served. And then uh, I also worked uh, for a short time in state government and really was looking for an opportunity to, to get back into the community and, and looked really hard at the nonprofit world again because I really felt like I wanted to pivot my career a little bit and find a place that that I could really do the work that I love and use the skills that I have, but really for a great mission. 
That's great, great. So, and I remember the the Kids Count book. That was a, it was a great source of data for grant proposals and just understanding community needs. So it's interesting you got your start there. So you've been in the nonprofit sector. Like, what percentage of your career do you, would you say? Uh, probably about 20, 25% by now. So what keeps you in the sector, do you think? I think it's all about working towards something very tangible and very meaningful to our communities. I really, you know, based on how I was raised, my parents were very community-minded. I have early uh, experience taking My mom was big on uh, fundraising for for causes and big on, um, I remember going door to door with her with a petition to get a school bus for our school because we did not have a school bus and it was dangerous to walk the kids to school every day. So she she and some other community neighbors decided that was something that they could do. And I, I think that was the start of, you know, knowing that you, as an individual, you can make a difference, and it's good, great training yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this series that I'm doing is about maximizing impact. What does maximizing impact mean to you? That's a great question. I think that really looking at what I have to give and and what opportunities are in front of me to have an impact in the community mm-hmm. it's really looking at how 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 the decisions that I make affect others and really targeting my skills and targeting our uh, our work that we do at the mm-hmm. YWCA to make the best use of the resources we have particularly in the organization and as the CEO, that's really one of my great responsibilities is to make sure that we're great stewards of mm-hmm. all of the resources that come our way. And so as I read your book, and I, I've read it now twice because I wanted to make sure I read it. <laughs> I read it when it first came out, and I was so glad to have it. And then I was refreshing my memory on it because I was thinking about you know, some of the things that I really liked and have already gone back to about you know the impact that we all have and the the core values that that we all have to live in in our work. Great. So um, what what resonated with, because you've read that's amazing. Thank you, (laughs) you've read it twice, wow. So what what chapters, you know, what topics really resonated with you as you were reading? It's interesting because I think at different parts of my career and different parts of my life, different mm-hmm. things would have spoken to me. And as I've just taken the seat at the YWCA after uh, Debbie Weinstein retired after almost 40 years, and I've been with the YWCA for six and a half years, going mm-hmm. on seven in September, um, you know, being in a different point in my career and being, you know, being the CEO, I think the chapters that really resonated with me um, where you explained your role as CEO and the day-to-day, that to mm-hmm. me was really informative, and I really took it in a way that I think is going to help me grow as a CEO. Right. So I, I appreciate that you you shared with with us how you know you focus your time and you see your responsibilities. That was that was really interesting to me because that's been one of the things that I've been looking for without realizing it was mm. other people you know you when you work collaboratively and Deb and I worked really collaboratively together right. but not seeing not seeing it lined out on paper the way that you shared it in your book that was really uh, important to me 
And on days that are hard, <laughs> I think the gratitude and hope messages you, you shared were, were particularly resonant for me. Good. Yeah, because, you know, it's you're going to go through some things. And, you know, even though you're walking in your passion, you're doing what you think you're called to do. And it's there's still going to be rough times. So I really just I really try to be transparent and and share more because I'm usually very reserved um, but just really sharing, you know, some tough times. I think it's important to, to you know, to inspire and encourage people. Like, yeah, you're going to go through some stuff, but, you know, you can still, you know, make an impact and you can still come out, come out on the other side of the storm, whatever that storm may be. So, um, so you know, the Y has a number of programs, you know, from the Sojourners to the McCormick Homes, so many, so many initiatives. So which ones, I guess one or one, do you think, um, which is most impactful, do you, would, you, would you say, in your, just in your opinion, and how do you know that Gosh. it's... I, I read this question, you know, you, you were kind enough to give me an idea of what direction you might take, and I saw that, and I thought, wow, that's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> and I, you know, I just, I think... YWCA Charleston and all YWCA's, our mission is eliminating racism mm -hmm. and empowering women, promoting peace, justice, freedom, and dignity for all. And that's a really big mission. That's huge, yeah. And we live our mission through all of the programs. And they all are high impact. There, there's, not, there's not a single program that isn't achieving measurable results and really powerful results for people. Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. It's about, it's about the people in our community who are touched by, right. you know, every single one of our programs. I, I, I just, I know, and I believe that, you know, when we hear from folks who have been program participants and they talk about, you know, they got a job because they went to the Margaret Taylor job readiness and education center and they learned how they could do better filling in an application for employment. Mm -hmm. And they learned how to do a job interview. Or they, you know, they were at the McCormick Transitional Housing, and it gave them the opportunity to take the time to live their lives in peace and away from violence and away from the, the stress and the, the terrible things that happened to them during you know, their experience with domestic violence or dating violence or stalking. And it, and they were able to collect themselves, get resources, learn more about themselves, and then mm -hmm. launch into a new life from that right. program. So each one of our programs is high impact. And, and we do, we measure. We have, uh, and thanks to the Greater Canal Valley Foundation, thanks to United Way, thanks to all of our partners who expect us to have measurable outcomes. Right, right. That's, that's how I know that they're all high impacts. Our, our diversity, awesome. equity, inclusion program, the, the upcoming Center for Racial Equity and mm -hmm, Inclusion, mm -hmm. that is that is on the horizon. We are getting ready to open those doors this summer. And, you know, I don't know what our metrics are right now for how that success looks, but just the vision that our director has, Shantae Ellis, she said it, she wants it to be a place where everyone belongs. And that is, that is so powerful. 
to know that that's, that's her goal, is that we will have a space in our community for people to come together and maybe have conversation, mm-hmm. celebrate cultural celebrations, learn, be informed, just just coexist is, is going to yeah. be phenomenal. It'll be amazing. I can't wait. Can't wait. So what when you think about um, you said all you know all, all of your initiatives are impactful and what strategies have you used to maximize your impact? Are there certain lessons you learned along the way? You know you were chief program officer at the Y before coming CEO before becoming CEO. What strategies would you um, you know have you used and would you suggest for other nonprofit leaders? strategies to maximize impact? The things that I think are really important and powerful takeaways from my experience and also from from your book, I mean, I, I was really pleased as I was reading the book, so many things that you you shared are things that I went, oh, good, we do that. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, you know, I, and that, that to me is one of the most interesting things is that, you know, I, I'm not, I can't take credit for what we do. Um, I came into a really strong organization with Mm -hmm. a great history and a great track record for for delivering. And we have a strategic plan. We have a vision. We have a mission statement. And we are so true to our mission. Mm -hmm. Our mission may may surprise people when you look at some of the programs and services we offer because, you know, to me – it all makes sense. It's very crystal clear. You know, we live our mission through, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, providing people pathways out of homelessness and domestic violence by empowering women uh, through early childhood education and child care and after school services. Those are the things yeah, that we that, do. Yeah, because that get them to work. Right. Exactly. So it's not, yeah, right. It's, it's uh, supporting them and removing those barriers to employment. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, thinking about are we doing, and it's not checking boxes, it's are we doing those things? And, mm-hmm. and so being able to think, oh, yeah, we have a strategic plan and we are working it and it's on the wall. And I, you know, I refer to it you know, frequently because if you don't look at it, it's just another piece of paper or a binder on a shelf. And, you know, you if you have to blow the dust off those plans, it doesn't really serve the organization or the community It's not a living well. document, is it? Right. <laughs> Yeah, you've been in the CEO role now for how many? It's less than a year. Five months. Five months. So, um, and you could pick. Do you, if you think, reflect on the last five months, or you've been with the Y now for the last six and a half years. What do you wish you knew when you first started in the CEO position? Let's start there. That's a that's a there's a lot that I wish I had known. I think I didn't really understand and know how important it was going to be for me to be mindful of my own schedule. That I need to be the one to say no to meetings I, and to know that people can meet without me. I just I want to know mm-hmm. what's going on, but I don't necessarily have to be in every meeting and I've 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 come to realize that I've, I've been a little too uh, eager to say yes to meetings, uh, internal meetings. I, I need to focus more outside. I think that I was reading 
the other day about um, someone talking about the CEO and your role is to be in the space where you're thinking about what does your organization look like to the outside world and that's that's where you need to operate a lot of your time is understanding mm-hmm. how your organization engages with the publics that you you work with all on the regular that you if you're if you're focused internally are you really being the CEO if that's your sole focus and and so that's that's something that I wish I'd have read that article a while ago but mm-hmm. I just read it last week on vacation <laughs> <laughs> but I found it it really was something that I was like oh I that's a great way to flip my script and really think more more deeply about my schedule and and my responsibilities. And I wonder, because I I think I I went through that when I transitioned from Kizra to the foundation. Because I think at Kizra, I was so focused on the internal. I could have done a lot more at the community level. But as a nonprofit leader, you know, direct service nonprofit leader, it's like you feel like you have to focus on the work and, you know, and fulfilling grant requirements and all that. But when I made, when I made that change to the foundation, it was, you know, really, you know, letting people know who you are, connecting with people who may want to work with the foundation. So it was a, it's, yeah, that's, that's so true, but it, it's, it's a shift that you have to make, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And there are so many great people on our team. I, right. I and I know, and I trust them and I've worked with them. And I think it's also a factor of being where my comfort level is right now. Right. I, I'm very, I was very comfortable in my chief program officer mm-hmm. role. And, you know, I, I have a fabulous chief program officer who's doing amazing things and I trust her to keep doing those amazing things right. and I need to step away and stay focused on the, the real CEO things. Yep, yep, yep. So true. So, and you you probably already answered this, but what aspects of your work are you most proud of and why? Are there certain, and I don't want you to pick your favorite child there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what, like what aspects of the YWCA are you most proud of? Oh, I'm proud of our people. The people our yeah. team, our team members, we have just rock stars. And if you think about all of the work that goes on to support, you know, folks at Sojourners Shelter for Homeless Women and Families, the Resolve Family Abuse Program, the Mel Wolf Child Development Center, the Shanklin Center for Senior Enrichment and Empowerment Homes, the um, Racial Equity and Inclusion Program, and the, um, oh, I knew I was going to miss one. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, I think I said the Resolve Family Abuse Program. Mm -hmm. But if you think about all of those programs operating and how during COVID we only shut down what we were mandated to shut down, which means we closed our child development center for a very brief time. We mm-hmm. closed our store for a very brief time, but we did not stop serving people. We, we kept sheltering people. That was very important for the community. Right. Yeah. And, you know, those, we, we have a lot of folks who have been with us a very long time and they're they're committed their heart and soul into the work that we do they believe Mm -hmm. in our mission they live our mission they want to do more to help people in our community and um, so i'm very proud to have been able to work with folks at the program level and now in my role as ceo being able to talk more about the great things that people are doing awesome awesome so what 
You mentioned that you have the Diversity, Equity, and, and uh, Inclusion Center coming online. Are there other growth opportunities that exist in your, in your organization? We always are looking at how our programs can evolve. Okay. Because, you know, if it's kind of like the, you know, the plan that you let sit on the shelf. Mm-hmm. You can't be static. You have to understand what the needs of the community are. Right. And we've had, we've had some great success with our program directors really listening deeply to the, the needs of those we serve mm-hmm. and working collaboratively with community partners to see what, what else we can do. So, for example, with our, um, our HUD funding, there was a, a focus by HUD on domestic violence a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so our program director, Julie Britton, she said, you know what, we can, we can provide more help to survivors of domestic violence with rapid rehousing money to provide them the resources they need when they're coming out of a domestic violence situation right. and they're leaving our shelter, they're technically homeless, we can help them find new ways through this funding to be more successful. And so it was, I remember very clearly having the conversation and, you know, just that, that leap of faith that you have to take sometimes when you know that you, they know, I mean, she knew more about it than I did. She has a great history in housing and being able to say, wow, that's really scary. That's a lot of money. Are we sure we can spend that? Are we sure it's, it's going to, we can do what we, what we, promise we can do with right, it right. and um, you know it, it certainly fit within our mission and our our the work that we do but it was it was a lot to to undertake and you know she put together the right people in the right places and she figured out a way to to make that happen and it's That's it's awesome. really supported a lot more people uh, than we could have ever dreamed and, and it, in a really meaningful way because sometimes people just need a little extra help right, being right. able to 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 be stable in their housing is so important. You, mm-hmm. you need to help people not just to get a place to stay and get an apartment, but if they have children, they have to have beds or child right. protective services is going to come into play. Certain basics are needed. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give to someone thinking about um, starting a nonprofit or, or a, a program or organization like the Y? WCA. There are so many great programs and services available, and I think that we have an amazing community where folks know how to partner and lean on each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think if someone is wanting to add, and we've seen some great community partners come in over mm-hmm. time with you know some of the newer challenges in our community with substance use disorder and some of the mental health crises that people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. I think that it, if someone were to want to start in the, a new nonprofit, it would be really give a good look around at who, who the players are now and, you know, try not to duplicate efforts, Absolutely. but, but really do, do what you can to, to elevate and, and help other, other partners be successful. Look for partnerships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I talk about that in the book, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> Instead of running out and starting something new, because it's hard work. It is. It's not, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, everybody wants to help someone. You, everyone wants to do good and, you know, feel good by doing good. But it's it's hard work. It so is. before running out, looking for ways you can partner or serve with another 
right. organization for sure. Well, if you look at the Kids Count Fund history and you go back to the very beginning, like I mm-hmm. said, I was I was the third the third person in a three person office. There was a huge task force that studied how children and families in West Virginia were doing, what were their needs. And then the nonprofit came about mm-hmm. because they had all this data and all this information and they didn't need new service providers. What they needed was a, no, a new organization to build coalitions and, and focus on outcomes. Right. And that was how that became successful. They, if, if someone had taken the task force information and just created a new nonprofit to provide services, you know, that wouldn't probably have been as successful. Exactly. So you're, you know, your organization serves a number of people with some very um, dire needs, people who are unhoused and people who are victims of domestic violence, to name a few. Uh, through it all, what gives you hope? What gives you hope to really get up every day thinking about the people the YWCA has to serve and the impact that you want to make? What gives you hope? Probably the the two things that give me hope are that we have community partners who believe in what we do and they know that we are making a difference Mm -hmm. to people who need us. And the other is that we do have people who are successful, who go through one of our programs or, you know, drop in on our readiness center because they just need that one, there's just one elusive thing that's a barrier to their success and being able to to achieve their goals and that's that's such a great thing and you know you could i mean everyone has bad days and it, mm-hmm. and you know depending on how how bad your day is to go home and and not and forget about the success to know that there are people who are sheltered people who are safe people who are right. children who are cared for that makes the biggest difference and that's that's the part that gives me hope is that it it if i'm having a really rough day it's really rewarding to just drop by one of our programs and just listen and look around and you know i think a lot of people might be surprised that if you walk into one of our programs where people are experiencing very real very difficult right. things they are smiling there are people who are joyous and laughing and in spite of it all. In spite of it all. In spite all. of it all, yeah. And so it, it doesn't take much to just stop and appreciate that this is this is what we're here for. We are we you know, we get true to our mission and we stay true to our mission. That's what really makes a difference for people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for making time for this conversation. Any parting words? I appreciated your book so much. I enjoyed the opportunity to, as I said, realize that we all have uh we seem to have a lot of the right parts in place and we're and it was a great uh a great thing to give me a little bit of uh mentoring you didn't know it but you were mentoring me <laughs> through your book and i i really appreciate it and appreciate appreciate the opportunity to have the conversation today thank you so much and thanks for making the time all the best with the ywca thank in you. charleston west virginia take care <laughs>